Tired of asking why? Welcome to the Unresolved Life Podcast, where we are answering life's most difficult questions. Now, here's your host, Teresa Blaze. Welcome to the Unresolved Life Podcast. I'm Teresa Blaze, and today I have Mr. Daniel Lee from spiritandtorah.com. I have a question for you guys. Anyone ever heard of something called satanic ritual abuse? I know, sounds like a weird, like something you might see in a weird flick, right? Well, we're going to be talking about that because it's more real than we want to imagine. But before we get to that, Daniel, welcome to the show. Thank you, Teresa. It's it's a wonderful being here. Well, we're glad to have you. Before we get it, we get too deep into that subject, I want to do a little bit of housekeeping, guys. You should, by time this episode is live, if you go to unresolved.news, you should see a uh, a uh, article called "The Darker Side of Star Trek" or "The Dark Side of Star Trek." There are some things within the latest Star Trek uh, series. You know, one of the biggest things that the occult likes to do is they have to tell you what they're going to do to you before they do it, okay? And they often use the media to kind of foreshadow and give hints. And there were some very dark themes. And so I took the time to go through the first season of the series and I pulled out the themes. And I think you will be very shocked at what you find. So if you go to unresolved.news, you'll find it there. Uh, Second, Social Hazard Radio is coming. It's coming. We're just doing our thing. We're getting some stuff ready. I'll be talking about that soon. And I guess that's it. So let's move on with the show. So Daniel Lee is an investigative journalist who has been investigated, investigating such things as pedophilia and satanic ritual abuse for some time now. He runs a website called spiritandtorah.com. Daniel, let me ask you this before we kind of get into what's going on. How did you, just so our audience kind of understands, how did you, first of all, come to know the Lord? And then second of all, how did you get into doing this? Sure. Yeah. So uh, I was raised in a sort of a non-denominational charismatic Christian church down in Texas. And it was kind of a thing where everyone down South is a Christian, right? So it's kind of like a cultural thing, sort of hanging on my, my parents' coattails. But when I was 18 years old, shortly after I had graduated from high school, there was this fiery evangelist. He did open air preaching on on college campuses. Anyway, he had come to our church and he started preaching this message of just get the sin out, get the sin out of your life and and, uh, stuff I'd never really even heard before, just that really, really hit me hard, showing me that, uh, yeah, maybe I went to church, maybe I called myself a Christian, but I wasn't really living the life. And so it, it hit me hard. It kind of showed me that um, I wasn't really truly in love with the Messiah like I should be. And so that on September 30th, 1997, um, I was sitting under a tree. I was working uh, for a job that I'd gotten out of high school and I was sitting under a tree on, on my lunch break and I was reading the verse in Philippians and it said, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And when I read those words, to live is Christ, that part of the scripture just like burned like fire in my mind. And all of a sudden, I realized it was Messiah living in me that enables me to overcome sin. It's not, it's not anything within me that I can do it on my own. And as soon as I had this revelation, and I, he, he became so real to me, so real, not just something that I had been taught growing up, and this cloud just lifted off of me. 
And so uh, our church was having revival meetings at this point. We were like meeting every single night because of this evangelist that had come. And so when I went that night, people looked at me who had known me for years and they said, wow, you look, you look so different. Your countenance is so much brighter. And it's, yeah, it's because I got born again. Amen to that. Yeah. And then shortly after that, about a year or two later, I, I moved up to Oregon for school. Uh, and I, I lived in Oregon for about 20 years, but I went up there for school and I was actually doing some open air street preaching at Portland State University um, a couple years later. And um, there was a there was a Messianic Jew who was a student in the crowd. And he he came up to me after my preaching. and He said, hey, I, I really enjoyed your preaching. I'd love to invite you to this Messianic Jewish congregation that we have. Um, and I was like, well, OK, that, that sounds kind of interesting. I, I mean, don't Christians meet on Sundays and and and. And he's like, well, we meet on Saturday, but just just check it out. And I was like, okay. So I go to this congregation, and uh, this Messianic congregation, and I walk in, and I see this pastor with this long horn. I had no idea what it was. I later learned it was a shofar. I saw all these people doing this Hebrew dancing. The, the women were wearing these long, colorful veils. Uh, the music, it wasn't the major chords that you hear in a lot of Christian churches. It was more of the, the minor chords, and there was violins. And it just, it like pierced my heart. And, and when I walked into this, I was like, I have never seen anything like this in the church world, even though I was raised in the church. I mean, I went to all different types of, of churches. I never saw this. And it just, it just drew me. It drew me. And, and when I began to explore the Messianic Hebrew roots of the Christian faith, it was like the Christianity that I had known was sort of like a Happy Meal at McDonald's, but the but the Messianic Hebrew roots of the Christian faith was like the seven course meal. So it just it just so much more drew me closer to Messiah. I almost felt like I was being born again, again <laughs> for the second time. Those are the the two points in my life um, that really really brought me to to Messiah. You know, we have a uh, Mike and I have had a similar experience in the sense of exploring the Hebrew root side of things. <laughs> there is nothing like hearing that shofar blow for the first time. There is absolutely nothing like it. Um, uh, the way I tend to describe it, you know, I would not consider myself like fully, how do I put this? Like, you know, we're kind of, I'm kind of exploring things, but the way I like to describe it is it's kind of like sitting down to a full on stake when you start really examining the roots of, of uh, the faith. One example I always like to, to tell uh, Christians who are just sort of maybe new to this is I say, well, you know, I was raised in my non-denominational church doing Easter, but when I started doing Passover and unleavened bread and first fruits, those Hebrew feasts that are in the scriptures that Jesus himself observed, they paint such a more vivid picture of the death, burial, and re resurrection of Messiah than, you know, the Easter sunrise morning service ever did. Just, that's just one example of, of how, how returning to the Torah, the Hebrew roots, really brings you closer um, to this Messiah. How does that lead to you suddenly doing a YouTube channel in, and investigating pedophilia and satanic ritual abuse? When I first got into the Hebrew Jewish roots, I mean, this is way back in, in 2001. And then I started a, a YouTube channel in 2007. And pretty much the YouTube channel was about that teaching Christians about the Hebrew Jewish roots of the Christian faith. And so uh, for, for many, many years, that's pretty much all I was doing. I would do evangelism and preaching and, and Bible studies and things like that. And so from 2007 all the way until 2018, 
in that time period, I had about 20, I built up to about 2,500 subscribers. That was about it. And was just doing, doing what I, what I just mentioned. But in July of 2018, I had moved up here to Alaska. I've been living here for a while. And, and um, I was working here in Alaska and I started listening to people like Isaac Cappy, who first came out to sort of expose a lot of the, some big names in Hollywood that were satanic pedophiles. And through Isaac Cappy, I learned about Fiona Barnett. And Fiona Barnett, uh, for those who may not know, she is someone that is from Australia. And for many, many decades, she's come out about her abuse when she was a little girl. And she was abused by a lot of big name people. Um, people like that will even shock you, like Billy Graham, Richard Nixon, Meryl Streep from Hollywood. And, and she would name these people. And her testimony was just unchanged for decades. And I started listening to interviews of her. And I, I just knew, I knew that she was, she was telling the truth. Um, and so as I started listening to her and others, I, I was like, wow, this is, this is a topic that I really didn't know much about. I mean, I, of course, I've always known that there was problems maybe with pedophilia, but I didn't fully grasp how pervasive it was and, and the whole satanic ritual aspect that's connected to it. The Lord spoke to me and said, Daniel, I want you from this point on, this was on July 31st of last year, I want you to use your platform to, to expose this stuff, to expose this pedophile, the child sex trafficking, the human trafficking, to be a voice for the voiceless. I want you to, to, to do this. And when, when he told me to do it, I, I honestly thought, okay, this will be something I'll do, you know, for a few weeks that I'll add on to what I normally do about, you know, teaching Christians about the Hebrew roots of the faith. And then I'll just go back. You know, that's, that's honestly what I thought was going to happen. It very quickly grew to where, um, you know, Yah was guiding me to people that I was starting to interview interviewing different whistleblowers, interviewing different satanic ritual abuse survivors themselves, doing these stories more and more. And, and of course, now, I mean, just from July 31st, where I had 2,500 subscribers to today, on March 14th, 2019, I now have over 70,000 subscribers. And that's how quickly things grew. I am surprised that YouTube has allowed that to happen, considering uh, they are known for uh, trying to shut down anyone that touches this topic. So that's a very, very good point you bring up. So about two or three months into doing this, um, so in about October, me and an, another older man, his name's John, he's 78 years old, he lives way out in New Jersey, we started a prayer group. And, and we, we started it off just to, to uh, pray for the nation, to pray for President Trump, but also to pray for my YouTube platform. And back then, I only had maybe 15,000, 20,000 subscribers at that point. But we started praying and praying and praying, and, and we meet now every single night. Um, John actually met with me when I traveled out to the White House in November, where I, I preached in front of the White House to bring awareness of the child sex trafficking and satanic ritual abuse, and also to encourage President Trump to continue to go after these people. Um, but John met met with me uh, there, and we met in person there, and then we we just started this prayer meeting. And literally every single night we meet to, and one of the things we specifically pray over is my YouTube channel and the social media platform that it will be protected. Um, and so far, so far it, it has been. In general terms. What is satanic ritual abuse, and how is it different than different than just regular run of the mill child abuse, which in itself is evil? But how is it different? 
right. Yeah. And, and, and just so uh, before I answer that question, just preface that by saying I, I do believe all pedophilia is satanic um, because anyone that would do this to a little child is, is completely following Satan's agenda. I agree with that completely. Yeah. Um, so the sat- satanic ritual abuse aspect of this is that um, not only is, is the pedophilia being done on, on, on the, the, the child, but they're actually being used in a, a satanic ritual abuse type of situation where these people, these evil people who are doing this to these small children, actually believe that they're getting a, a special power. Uh, I guess it would be like a counterfeit anointing, really, because they believe that by taking, uh, ruining what is most innocent and what is most defenseless, that that will give them, it's very sick, actually, uh, but that will give them power. Um, and so, and so they will do this. The people who are able to survive it, they were sexually molested. Those who did not, these people were sexually molested. They were, uh, in some cases, as hard as this is to believe, they were cannibalized. Um, I've actually talked with, uh, if, if people will watch my interview with Aaron Golub, which I did last October, you know, he, he saw Hillary Clinton cannibalizing babies. He saw this with his own eyes. Um, and these were these were in tunnels that were beneath Washington D.C. And you can watch his interviews. And and but but yeah, th- this is very horrific stuff. It's almost to the point where and and Aaron himself makes this point. You know, our brains aren't designed by God to be able to process this type of stuff because it's so horrific. It's so uh, uh, gross. But but like you said, it's like we have to we have to shine a spotlight on this stuff and expose it, make people aware, so that people can can be aware enough to say, this has got to stop. We can't continue to live in a nation where we have leaders in Hollywood and in politics and CEOs and powerful people all across our nation that are doing this stuff. We can't accept it. And so that's one of the primary focuses of my YouTube channel now is to, is to just raise this awareness. You know, you hear something like that and most people's first reaction is, Okay, come on. You've been watching conspiracy theory stuff, right? I mean, because this is not something that the mainstream church will talk about because they don't believe it's real. Well, and it's it's even worse than that. Not only do they not believe it's real, but in some cases, they're actually part of the problem. Um, I've actually interviewed one lady who she didn't want to come on camera, but I got the information from her. And it was substantiated by the witnesses as well that implicated uh, Kenneth Copeland and the Word of Faith Ministries, and being involved in satanic pedophilia, cannibalism, ritual abuse, in tunnels beneath Oral Roberts itself. Now, you're right. A lot of people will initially react to this stuff and say, well, this cannot be true. If you go on my YouTube channel just since last July, and you start listening to one interview after another, Aaron Golub, Amy Berger, David Scherter, you start hearing me report about Fiona Barnett, you start seeing all these people that I've interviewed. There, there, there's a term in, in, in our court system known as a preponderance of evidence. And, and what you will see is that these stories from people from all different types of backgrounds, all different types of ages, uh, they don't even know each other in many cases, and yet their testimonies are very similar in what they undergo. And, and their testimonies have remained unchanged for years. And so it, 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 you, you begin to realize, gosh, this isn't science fiction. This isn't some horror flick. This is real. This is real. And, and, and also, the other point I want to make is a lot of these um, survivors, 
they have no motivation to lie because they, they're not getting, first of all, they're not making any money off of it. Second of all, they oftentimes get harassed and vilified for coming out and speaking out about this stuff. So if anything, they have a motivation not to speak out about this at all. Um, so, so you just, you take the totality of the evidence of what's going on and, and you begin to realize, oh my goodness, this is a problem. It is pervasive and it does need to be exposed. Mm. Now you also reference in a lot of your interviews, um, on the channel of these people, something called MK ultra. Um, can you kind of go into that and explain a little bit how that plays into this as well? Yeah. So yeah, and Fiona Barnett, by the way, talks a lot about this on her website. And then um, when I interviewed, especially Aaron Gola and David Scherter, they both talk about this quite extensively as well. But you know, the MK Ultra is the mind control program. And so this is where, and, and when they start this abuse on these little children, it's at a very, very young age. Uh, it can be as young as two years old in some cases, as horrific as that sounds. That's sick. It's very sick. But the reason they start that young is they literally will try to fragment the personality. And that's where MK Ultra comes in. They, they literally try to so shatter the personality with, through the sexual abuse and through the mind control that it, it almost causes them to have you know, different types of personalities. And, and they do that to not only control them and to, to, to try to you know, make sure they're not going to go rat out on the, the abusers. But, but then they also do this because their hope is that they're going to raise a generation of people that will be just like them. Okay. And, and, and in some cases they have been successful and they'll have these different types of personalities where they can act one way in public, but then in another way, they're these horrible monsters where they're out uh, abusing these children. Now, People like Fiona Barnett, and David Scherter, and Aaron Gold, they've been able to break out of their MK mind control. They've been able to break out of it a lot, and, and it's been through the blood of Messiah. I mean, Fiona will, will just tell you that's how it happened. It, it was through the blood of Messiah and through his spirit that, that brought healing. And there were some other things that she did as well, but that was the paramount, paramount thing that brought her out. And David will attest to the same thing. And in fact, I talked to one guy who he, he never wanted to be interviewed, but he talked about how he underwent this mind control and sexual abuse from a little as a little boy, but that what healed him was he just kept listening to the Bible on audio tape for, for months and years and years, just every evening he'd listen to it and, and it just gradually sort of healed him. But, but yeah, the, M, the MK Ultra program is a program that was brought over by Operation Paperclip which if, if your audience isn't familiar with that, it basically the, you know, a lot of the Nazis, uh, rather than being charged and executed like they should have been at the Nuremberg trials, were actually brought over here uh, to the United States, South America, things like that. And, and they worked with our CIA um, on this Operation Paperclip, which, which uh, you know, basically turned into this MK Ultra was one of their programs uh, to try to control people and, and they perpetrated this upon many different individuals um, in the United States and Australia and whatnot. And MK Mind Control of fragmenting the personalities and controlling them and whatnot, it was the tool and the apparatus they used in conjunction with this satanic ritual abuse and pedophilia uh, to, to, you know, again, a lot of it was power. A lot of it is to get this counterfeit anointing. A lot of it is um, just sick satanic stuff that they're wanting to to promote. I've done a story where I talk about, for instance, that, and, and this is going to sound very gross, but 
the human trafficking is 10 times more lucrative than the drug trafficking. So as sick as this sounds, a lot of times we're not even talking about pedophiles. What we're talking about is just simply people who are motivated by greed. And they see, oh, this, this child sex trafficking is going to get me more money, line my pockets more than you know drug trafficking or anything else. And by the way, I'll just say, anyone who thinks that is just as bad as the pedophiles because they're, they're helping to, to perpetuate the system. Yeah, they're profiting off of the pain of someone else. I mean, that's just plain sick. So, you know, um, as you talk, um, I referenced in the very beginning of this podcast, The Darker Side of Star Trek. One of the themes that is actually brought out is the promotion of MK Ultra, because one of the characters is literally programmed, literally uh, fragmented, and they implant a personality on top of the guy. And I mean, it's it's through horrific torture and trauma. It is one of the most dark. It is one of the darker. I mean, I grew up a Star Trek fan. Okay. But th- this series was one of the darkest series I had ever seen in my life. And I had to sit down and I, and I wasn't even sure if I was going to finish it. But the Lord was like, no, expose this. And so that's what I've been working on. I've been working on this article for a while now. I'm hoping to have it go live Friday. It's interesting you bring up Star Trek and Hollywood because that that is kind of the issue that got me launched last summer. And and you know I, when I started hearing things like Steven Spielberg and Tom Hanks were satanic pedophiles, it initially just blew my mind because I loved going to see a Steven Spielberg movie or going to see a Tom Hanks movie. But in fact, these people are pedophiles, and and it's not just one person saying it. It's it's many 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 different whistleblowers and people saying, look, uh, the evidence is overwhelming. Here's what's happening, and they're not they're they're not being held accountable because um, they're so wealthy. They're so rich. They're so powerful. And they can just buy off the courts. Sure. Yeah. They buy off the courts. They, they do, they do what they want. But like in the case with, with, uh, you know, Steven Spielberg, the whole little girl, Heather O'Rourke, who was in the poltergeist movies back in the early 1980s, she was actually raped and abused by Steven Spielberg and, and fellow executives that were working on that film. In fact, Crispin Glover, who is an A-class actor. He played the father of Marty McFly in the first Back to the Future movie. Chris Glover actually wrote an essay, and he talks about Steven Spielberg being a pedophile. Now, Crispin Glover is not just going to make this stuff up, okay? You know, he was an A-class actor. I'd always wondered why he never continued on in the Back to the Future 2 and 3 movies. We always thought, oh, it was just he had a dispute with, with you know, Robert Zemeckis or whatever. No, it was because Steven Spielberg was the executive producer on those movies. And Crispin Glover, after making the first Back to the Future movie, found out about Steven Spielberg's pedophilia and about how he hurt so many little children, including Heather Rourke. And so he would have nothing more to do with it. So he, he backed out. He, he wouldn't. And of course, he, he later really didn't um, continue on much in the main Hollywood uh, stream either. But he wrote a very extensive essay that I actually have linked up in one of my earlier videos from last August that he wrote in 2003, and uh, he he pulls no punches. I mean, he very clearly says that Steven Spielberg is a is a pedophile. If this is true, what is the church supposed to do about it? Because the church doesn't even know about it half the time. What I'm trying to do, and what I think a lot of believers need to be doing, is bringing awareness of this subject to people because. First of all, Messiah said very clearly, Jesus, Yahshua said very clearly in Luke 
17.2. He said, if anyone causes a little one to stumble, it's better for them to have a millstone tied around their neck and to be cast into the sea. That was his solution for satanic pedophiles. So if, if anyone should be at the forefront of exposing this stuff and bringing people uh, an awareness and saying, hey, we need to call our leaders to account. We need to demand that this, this stuff is investigated, exposed, and stopped. It should be the church. It should be the church. The problem is, is that uh, either you have whole church organizations that have been actually compromised in this type of stuff, as horrible as that sounds, or you have, uh, and, and I don't know if you've listened to Mark Taylor much, but he talks about the 501c3 and how a lot of churches have become part of the 501c3 system where forget about satanic pedophilism. They don't even want to talk about even things about like abortion or homosexuality because they might lose their 501c3 status. Yeah, that's a, that seems like a like a noose around their neck to me. Exactly, exactly. Um, I can say, you know, distinctively that the church that I attend, you know, the pastor is very much openly against abortion, you know, and he has, you know, backed this work, this podcast since it started. And I have done my very best to expose that evil, you know, so I mean, but how, okay, let, let me, let, let me ask this question. How does one get their mind around? Because you said it clearly, our minds are not capable of accepting such trauma and horror. I mean, the horror of this is just unnerving. So how would you even go about going from disbelief perhaps to no way this is impossible, this cannot happen? How do you even accept that, yes, this is happening and it's real? It's a tough thing to, to approach. So again, it's, you know, like if you go to my YouTube channel and you go back from late July all the way till now, just the totality of evidence, I think will 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 convince people that this is definitely an issue. It's definitely true. The other thing, though, I want to sort of add into this, and I think this is very important. And, and this is another reason I think why uh, my subscribers have gone up so much is that while it is very important to expose the unfruitful works of darkness, I don't leave people there. I always point them back toward the Messiah. I always point back toward him and his truth and how his, the purity of his gospel and his word is the only way to, to true healing and not only for an SRA survivor, but even people who are learning about this horrific stuff. Um, and so I always try to do that. And I think that that helps people get through because, yeah, like you've been saying, I mean, reporting on this is, is very dark. This is a very dark material. And um, when I'm having to sort of wade through this stuff, it, it can affect you. So I'll have to go out, like even today, um, after I made one video, I went out, I just spent some time, I walked outside, went out to the to the mountains here in Alaska. It's very easy to get lost in nature here. Uh, it's a very good thing, but it just helps me refocus myself back on on Messiah. So I think that that's, that's really, really crucial, really, really important. It's important to, to know this stuff and to, and to make people aware and to expose it, but it's also important to keep our focus on him. And also, I think, I think that... I think that Yahshua, Jesus, he, his whole plan is he wants this stuff to be exposed because when we talk about someone like Billy Graham, who is a, uh, you know, a satanic pedophile who abused Fiona Barnett, among other uh, little girls, when you look at what he preached, it was, not, it was not the gospel. He was preaching a very counterfeit sort of greasy grace, you know, um, uh, just believe in Jesus and you're fine. And, and even his own crusade admits that when people would rush to the altar at his crusades, one out of, uh, or excuse me, three out of four of those people within a year 
were living in sin again. They were just living in sin and really not, you know, walking in Messiah. So I think what, what, what's being done here is that all this stuff is being exposed because God is wanting to bring people back to the purity of his word, back to the purity of his spirit, uh, back to a gospel that preaches repentance, like true repentance, where you 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 forsake the sin, you confess and forsake your sin, you totally grab a hold of the Messiah, and you allow the holiness of His Spirit to fill you, and and you're filled with the the fruits of His Spirit and 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 the power that is supposed to accompany the gospel, not this sort of lukewarm Americana Christianity where, well, yeah, we we say we love Jesus, but our hearts really aren't aren't in it, and I. And I that's kind of part of what's happening here. If someone by hearing this episode, maybe they realize, man, I've got some stuff in my past. I've got some skeletons in my closet. Maybe they're an MK Ultra survivor. Maybe they're an SRA survivor. What would you say to them? Well, first of all, if you, if you're an SRA or an MK Ultra survival survivor, um, just realize and know that only the Messiah, only his blood and his spirit can fully heal you. That's the only way you're going to be able to, to really get that past resolved um, for yourself. Uh, also, you don't, don't, um, don't blame yourself. A lot of people will, will say, oh, you know, something was wrong with me. No, you, you were a little child. You were defenseless. You couldn't help what happened to you. Um, but I've noticed that a lot of SRA survivors who haven't fully healed, they'll still blame themselves. They'll think that somehow something was wrong with them and it wasn't, they were just being used as little children and they didn't have a, a voice in the matter. Um, the second thing is, is that, um, the more open you are about it, whether you want to come onto my YouTube channel or somebody else who's, who's reporting on this, the better it is for you. Um, I've had people who, in fact, I just had a lady, her name is Tammy, and she was very nervous about coming on and, and talking about what had happened in her past. But um, but the more that she was open and the more that she just sort of declared what happened, the safer she became. And, and, and I've seen this with a lot of people where they'll come out because the thing is, these people who perpetuate the stuff, they like to stay in the shadows. They don't want to be exposed. They don't want to be, that's how they gain power. And they want their victims to stay in the shadows. That's how they take them out. Men but, love darkness rather than light. Exactly. But the more they come out into the open and they share their stories, not only is it a blessing and does it encourage those who may have also gone through this as SRA survivors that have been afraid to come out, but also it, it, these people who are operating in the CIA or these intelligence agencies or whatever they're perpetuating is, they're, it's going to be a lot harder for them to take you out because now, oh, look, uh, 70,000 subscribers just watched your testimony. They know who you are. So if they take you out, then that, then then uh, oh, wait a minute, everyone's going to be starting to ask questions. So they want these survivors to hide and and to not come out and to and to be in shadows because it's a lot easier for them to deal with them that way. But when they start coming out, especially when we have as many as we are coming out and being vocal, it does a lot of good both in ministering to others and forcing the bad guys to crawl into their shadows and and to to be scared. They have to scurry away. So, amen. Amen. Well, Daniel, um, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. I know that this is not an easy topic to swallow. I know that this is uh, rather challenging, but thank you for taking up the mantle and uh, offering a platform for those that didn't have a voice to have one. Oh, well, yeah, absolutely. It was sort of something where I almost didn't have a choice because, you know, when God tells you to do something, you, you, you've got to do it. It's been a blessing. I mean, you know, to see 
these people be able to come forward and to have a platform to speak out. Um, it's, it's a blessing to me because I see how it, it ministers to them. And even uh, some of these SRA survivors who have been very nervous or scared about coming on, but once they do, they almost always come back to me and say, oh, Daniel, I'm so glad I did that because I feel so much better, first of all, getting this off my chest. But second of all, so many of my subscribers or other people will start reaching out to them and saying, oh, thank you for sharing this story because it helped me through this or it helped me through that. Or even people who are not SRA survivors, maybe they were just victims of pedophilia in their own families, but hearing these stories of how people overcame, it, it blesses them and it touches them and ministers to, to them. So, so it's, it's, it's been a huge blessing for, for me to be able to, to facilitate that. I'm reminded in uh, either first or second Corinthians where Paul says, we are able to comfort others with the comfort that we have received. And so I think that that really speaks to what you were just talking about. So, Daniel, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yes, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I know this was a rough subject, and there were a lot of statements made. There were a lot of things that are harder, hard to believe, and I understand that. But I can tell you honestly, I've done my research, and I've, done, I've listened to a lot of interviews, not just, from, not just conducted by Daniel, but elsewhere as well. This is real, and this is an area that the church does not and will not talk about. It needs to be exposed. I told you guys a long time ago that we are going to go places that the church doesn't want to touch. And this is one of them. If you are listening and maybe you're not a believer in Christ, but maybe you've had a lot of issues. Maybe you are an SRA survivor. Maybe you're an MK Ultra survivor. I would love to talk to you. You can reach me at Teresa at unresolved.life. You can also find Daniel's YouTube channel on our show notes as well as his website. I'm Teresa Blaze. This has been the Unresolved Life Podcast. We will speak again next time. You've been listening to the Unresolved Life Podcast. To catch all our past shows, go to unresolved.life. That's unresolved.life.